The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's future with totally new sources of information that will change the way you run your business. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And the buzz on the street is a cartoon from the Farkas comic strip dating back to 2015. We found this and it's just a gem. But first, let's position this. It is now April something. What is it? April 3rd. April 6th. And those of you in the U.S. know that officially tax day is the 15th in this year because of weekends and all that good stuff. It's going to be the 18th. So that's the context. Here we go. So picture this. An auditor sitting behind a desk. I, it doesn't say that he's an IRS auditor. Talking to Santa Claus. Santa Claus is in his full regalia, the suit, the belt, the hat, sitting in a chair, barely fitting the chair. And the auditor looks at Santa and says, you gave away 60 billion toys and didn't get one receipt? Let's just let that sit. Farkas, by the way, is a comic strip by David Wasteglass and Gordon Coldheart, just to give a reference and some credit there. So let's put this in the business context. As April 15th, tax day approaches each year. U.S. tax firms are deluged. Think of this stuff just pouring in. What are they getting? They're getting their clients' last-minute filing requests. Quick, I don't want an extension. Do my taxes now. They're getting piles of papers, receipts, and notes, and all this good stuff, and take this deduction and do this. And now they're getting emails crammed with scanned documents. I'm guilty of that. So the question is, you're listening to Internet of Things with Game Changers. Will the Internet of Things reduce the CPA's deadline-driven work? Well, the answer is it depends. Okay, maybe that's what your CPA says to you. It depends. Not right away for the individual practitioner, but it will help the CPA or the accounting team in businesses. So you're listening to us on business radio. This makes perfect sense. How is this going to help? Well, let me give you a couple of examples. Number one, business planning and budgeting will be more accurate with the real-time data that you get through the IoT. We'll talk more about that in a few minutes. And fraud detection. Come on, you know cybersecurity, big issues. Fraud detection can be feasible when you have live information streaming through a detection algorithm. Everybody wants that from Santa this Christmas. So welcome to the intersection of business accounting and the IoT. We have a packed house today. We have two panelists, and they are both experts and specialists in this field. They have coming to the table with their expertise, their experience, their points, of you. Let me just tell you who they are, and then we will introduce them with their opening quotes. First up, we're welcoming back a many-time guest on many of our Game Changers series. It's Jeff Hattendorf 
co-founder and COO of a company called Macrospect, and he will tell us a little bit about his company later. And our other panelist is Seth Marlowe, who is with Wells Fargo, and he'll tell us, well, I'm looking through your bio, Seth, and I want to make sure I have the quote. He's Senior Vice President, Treasury Solutions Consultant, and Treasury Insights Leader with Wells Fargo. There we go. So we have a full title now. So I'm going to first welcome Jeff Hattendorf, and Jeff has sent us a quote from Robin Sharma, S-H-A-R-M-A. If you don't know who Robin is, well, let me just give you a clue here. He's a Canadian writer who was born in Nepal. He's only 53 years old, brilliant guy, Canadian writer, personal development expert, and leadership speaker. He's best known for his series, The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari, book series, and The Saint, The Surfer, and The CEO. And he has published and he speaks. He also published a book, The Leader Who Had No Title, where he tries to deliver a message that anyone in any role can be a leader. Let's just leave it at that. In 2007, he was named by an independent survey of business people. He was named as one of the most influential leadership gurus in the world. So here is the quote Jeff has selected from Robin Sharma. Quote, all change is hard at first, messy in the middle, and so beautiful at the end. Jeff Hattendorf, how have you been? I've been well, Bonnie. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. And we have to do a shout-out to Ira Burke, the sponsor of this series, who's traveling today, couldn't be with us, and he has selected you two as our panelists, and I'm, I'm very pleased to uh, welcome you. We're missing Ira, but I know he'll be back soon. So, Jeff, tell me, are you a big follower, fan of Robin Sharma, and how does this quote relate to our topic, accounting and the IoT? Go ahead. Well, actually, I discovered him recently on Twitter and was uh, reading through some of his tweets, and as we were getting prepared for the show, I saw this one. And it just struck me that it, it is exactly on point for where we are with the, the buzz and the hype around the Internet of Things. You know, in my view, we're, we're at the hard part, which is the first part, is what things should be enabled and tied to the Internet. Is it stuff we wear? Is it stuff we put on our machines? Is it stuff we put into our refrigerator? The next big piece is going to be the messy piece about, well, how do we take all that information and, and actually do something with it? But once we figured that out, both as a society and as organizations, I think it's going to make a, a tremendous impact on how we live our lives. Uh, Jeff, let me ask you, and thank you for that. Let me ask you, do you think uh, CFOs are thinking, wow, we got to get IoT in, we got to start taking advantage of all this information? Do you think they're saying uh, it's going to help us with our turnaround, with our reporting, with everything being look ahead instead of just stale old look back? Do you think that they're aware of this? In other words, is this topic breaking news for CFOs in the U.S. and around the world today? So at least among the, the CFOs we work with, I think it's a new topic. You know, ah. they hear about it in their personal lives. You've got Fitbit and Apple Watch and, and Garmin and all the devices that come with the Internet of Things in the, early, in the early phase. I don't think a lot of those companies yet are thinking about how that ties into their business. But I do have a coworker who has a client that, at least in the early adoption, is actually using the Internet of Things to manage their maintenance costs on their very large uh, industrial vehicles. Very so interesting. Is is this a early, shock to them that they can do this? Is, it, is this, in other words, when we think of accountants, and, and we used to have a series that's on hiatus now called Financial Excellence with Game Changers. You may have been a guest on that in the past, Jeff. I don't remember. So many series and so many guests. Forgive me. Uh, it was always uh, my question. Always was: Is this a revelation to to what's typically seen as a staid and steady profession that doesn't like change? And that's why I love your quote. So. Is this something that not only will be a shock? 
back, but it will be a revelation. And you can see CFOs and their teams running to get the latest and greatest and say to their IT department, yeah, we want the sensor. We want the data. Bring it on. Do you think they're going to be eager or eh, not so much? I think once they understand the power of it, they're going to be eager. It's just a little bit early in the adoption cycle. Okay. So a little bit of breaking news here and a little bit of get ready, kids. It's here. It's coming down the pike, and it has some value for you. Thank you very much, Jeff. And now let's welcome our new panelist, newcomer to Game Changers, Seth Marlowe at Wells Fargo Bank. And you are with the bank. Is that correct, Seth, or what what division are you with? Yes. That that is correct. I am part of uh, Treasury Merchant and Payment Services. Okay, and Seth has sent us, how appropriate, a baseball-related quote, not about baseball, but from somebody who was a big-timer in baseball, Casey Stengel. Anybody who doesn't remember Casey Stengel, his full name, in case you ever get asked this on Jeopardy, was Charles Dillon Casey Stengel, nicknamed the Old Professor, not Professor, Professor. I think there's a New Yorkism in there somewhere. He was an American Major League Baseball right fielder and manager, elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame in 19. 66, the winner of seven World Series championships. Uh, Seth, with your permission, let me just give a little bit of the etymology of the name Casey. I think people will find it interesting. Uh, he was born in, did you notice he was born in Kansas City? What are the initials of Kansas City? KC, Kansas City, Missouri. He was originally named Dutch, which was a nickname for many Americans of German ancestry. Go figure that one. After his major league career began, he acquired the nickname Casey, which came from the initials of his hometown, KC, which evolved into C-A-S-E-Y, which was influenced by the poem Casey at the Bat. (laughs) Now I'm done. He's the only person... Uh, to have worn the uniforms of all four New York major ball club, ball league clubs between playing and managing. The first of four men to manage the New York Yankees and the New York Mets uh, after Yogi Berra, Dallas Green, and Joe Torre. And I'm going to stop with my baseball lore. I copied it, Seth. I don't know this by heart. Here comes the quote from Casey Stengel. There comes a time in every man's life, and I've had plenty of them. I love the it sounds like Yogi Berra could have said it. Seth Marlowe, officially welcome to Game Changers, and how are you today? I'm great, Bonnie. So great to be here this morning with you and with Jeff. Thank you. We're delighted to have you. Talk to me about baseball, Casey Stengel. What in the hell does, I mean, sorry, what the heck, you could delete that, Kevin. What the heck does the quote mean? What is, it, it sounds to me like it's just one of those conundrums you would say at a cocktail party. So how does it relate to our topic today? Go ahead. Well, I, I, I think the, uh, IoT, among so many other new and emerging technologies that are out there, are, are sort of those things that happen um, you know, every once in a while where it's a significant change in, in, in everything. And I think the Internet, the, the emergence of the Internet was one of those. I, I think IoT is certainly another. I think blockchain certainly qualifies. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the, the quote from Casey kind of epitomizes the long career he had as a player and as a manager. And there wasn't much he hadn't seen. And I, I think that's uh, a large part of it. it it's, it's kind of funny. C- Casey, as that old professor, uh, was often, um, often misquoted himself. And said, you, know, you could fill, there have been books filled with his Caseyisms that preceded all of the yogiisms that most of us are mm. more familiar with. I've kind of obliterated this one myself over the years because this one's, I've held on to this for a while, and I've usually referred to it <clears throat> as there comes a time in every man's life, and this is one of them. And I kind of feel that way today, as this is my first time joining you on Game Changers. 
Oh, we are, we are very <laughs> flattered by that. Oh, you are, you are warming up to me very quickly there, Seth. Seth, I'm going to ask you the same question I asked Jeff Hattendorf just a moment ago. Is this news from your vantage point in the Treasury field? And I know that your, your uh, handle on Twitter is Treasury Geek. I love that. <laughs> I don't know whether you're smiling or laughing when you pick that one, but it certainly is interesting. Uh, is this a surprise to people in your part of the world, a part of the field, that IoT can inform and engage and and add to the value of and the efficiency of what accounting are, is doing in the business world. What do you think? Yeah, I don't think the message has really quite gotten there to most CFOs and and, and treasurers. And th- there is certainly enough evidence of you know everything that they're seeing and using. I, I see enough CFOs that are wearing uh, I've, uh, wearing uh, Apple watches. And although there are fewer of those, and tend to be more Rolexes uh, out there, but mm-hmm. there there is an awareness, but not necessarily an understanding of what the impact can be to their business. And a large part of what I do in my role in talking to treasurers and CFOs about treasury management and payments is is also educating and talking about some of these new and emerging technologies that are out there to try to get them to start thinking differently about the change that's necessary. And, and I think that that's, that's a great tie back to to the quote that, that Jeff had. I really love that when I saw that, that um, you know, change, change is hard and messy in the middle. We see this all the time with projects and whether it's implementing an SAP uh, enterprise system or uh, you know, a treasury management system, uh, change is hard. And trying to get treasurers and CFOs to uh, embody change and really be the ones to have the vision to make it happen is, is so important. And I think IoT is, is another uh, great uh, uh, touch point to, to get them to take some action. Thank you very much. Take some action. That's probably the biggest message we can give to our listeners around the world. Thank you very much, and pleasure to have you on board, Seth. Glad this is one of those moments in your life. We're very honored to have you say that. So now let's circle around the table. It's a small table today, but a lively one. Jeff Hattendorf at MacroSpec. Jeff, um, you told us a little bit about what you do, but if I met you in an elevator and said, Jeff, you and Randy Marvel founded a company called MacRespect in 2005. You've been around for 12 years. I gave you 30 seconds to tell me the core of what you do. Exactly what is it? Our job is to help the Fortune 1000 and companies of that size better plan, measure, and manage their businesses. Well, that took up less than 60 seconds. Bravo to you. We'll, we'll ride the rest of the ride up to the 90th floor in silence. Thank, now that was very interesting. Thank you, Jeff. So, Jeff, now that we've got you in an elevator, I want to know where is the elevator? Where are you located today? And you know my question. We love to get to know our panelists just a little bit personally. What are you drinking right now if it's interesting and makes you smile? If not, what would you rather be drinking? Talk to me. Well, today I'm in sunny Dallas, Texas. I spend my time usually on an airplane. It's a big fancy bus with wings, if you're not familiar with airplanes. And I go from city to city and hotel to hotel. Um, and most mornings I would have a, a straight-up cup of coffee. But today, as the water boy would tell us, I have a really high-quality glass of H2O. A high-quality glass of H2O. So tell me, what does that mean? Is there a brand on it? Is there a special bottle? Is it in a Yeti mug, as one of our regular panelists likes to talk about putting his, uh, what does he have, uh, some old-fashioned brand of coffee, and he puts it in a Yeti mug and takes it from one room to the other in his home office. So what, what is this special water you're drinking? 
Well, it's high quality and it's smart water because when I'm on your show, I want to feel like I'm being smart and, and helping people with good information. And the smart water gives me a little more confidence. I like that a lot. Does it have a flavor? Oh, no. Just, just straight up high quality H2O. Okay. Well, there's a big debate here. Uh, uh, Seth may be more aware of this than, than Jeff is here in New York. The debate is who's got the best tap water. And I think Queens, which is the borough that's most eastward in New York City, that's about a mile from where I am here on the North Shore of Long Island, they claim to have really, really good tasting, clear drinking water. I'm on in Nassau County, and there's a debate, and a lot of people here just buy their store-bought high-quality water in the store. <laughs> Seth, where are you today? What's the quality of the water where you are, and what are you drinking? Seth Marlowe. Well, I'm in um, not-so-sunny, actually rather rainy Stamford, Connecticut, which is a suburb of New York City. Um, I'm actually born and raised in Queens, so I grew up on that Queens, uh, New York City tap water, which I will say is great, and I miss it, and is the best way to make pizza and bagels, because you can't, you can't make them as well uh, in most right. other parts of the country, and it's, it really is about the water. Um, but I'm not drinking water yet this morning. That's usually a later in the day uh, beverage for me. Right now I'm on my second cup of uh, coffee. I am a bit of a Starbucks um, aficionado, so to speak, um, usually drinking Pike's Place this morning. My wife seemed to have bought the uh, Keurigs that are the breakfast blend, which is not quite as tasteful as the Pike's Place. Um, mm-hmm. But what's probably more interesting is the cup that I'm drinking it out of. Um, as as sort of part of the Starbucks standum, I'm and I, I have a collector's mentality, and that ties back to my whole baseball thing. Uh, but I've I've been enamored of all of the uh, the mugs that you can buy in Starbucks locations, and with all the traveling that I do for the bank, um, my one of my uh, airport excitements is being able to find a Starbucks and buy a mug that's got. Uh, the city that I've traveled to on it and some very pretty graphics on it. So this morning, I'm actually drinking out of a, uh, a San Francisco Starbucks mug, and San Francisco, of course, is the uh, headquarters location for Wells Fargo. Oh, my goodness. That's very interesting. Did you, you ever get the mug where uh, somebody comes back from a trip to someplace fabulous and the mug says uh, something like... Uh, uh, you went all the way to, to Paris, and this is the crappy gift that I got. This is all you brought me or something like Have you ever seen those mugs? I, I have seen those. I haven't received any of those, but I have received quite a number of baseball-themed ones over the years. Oh. And, uh, you know, they, those don't get much action these days. <laughs> I, I bet, yes. And I have to tell you, going back to the water theme, uh, two things. Number one, rumor has it that when people from New York move to Florida and want to start a bagel store, and knowing that bagels are initially boiled, they will import, the smart ones, will import New York water down to Florida so that the bagels will have that authentic New York taste. Did you know that, Seth? I did. In fact, uh, I, I ha- had an uncle uh, passed away a number of years ago, but he moved from, from New York uh, out to Las Vegas, and he had a bagel store in Manhattan, and he actually experimented, and the water in Vegas did not cut it, so he actually brought water in from New York, and alas, he was able to make New York bagels in Vegas. <laughs> there you go, exactly. And the second part of the water story is that Jeff knows me well enough to know that I, they do not allow me to have any caffeinated beverages on radio 
show days. And Tuesdays and Thursdays are double headers. I have two shows today. I had two on Tuesday. So all I'm drinking is cool, clear water from a Brita filter in a cool mug that's clear, looking out at the rain. I'm not catching the raindrops to drink them. And I have a bright pink straw because the straw tells you what I'm thinking about. And I'm thinking about when will the sun come out again, hopefully tomorrow. <laughs> no shades of Annie there. Yes, uh, I, I like to say that the daffodils appeared in full bloom about four weeks ago, and then we had a couple of frosts and very cold nights, and then we had some snow, and then the daffodils hung their heads very sad and very regretfully right down on the ground and looked up at everybody and said, why me? Shades of Nancy Kerrigan, what can I tell you? And now it's time for the pansies to be in full bloom, so we're going into the next phase. Yes, I think Washington already had their cherry blossom blooming, and we are seeing the pear blossoms blooming here and a couple of cherry trees all along. So it's a beautiful time of the year if you get past this horrible rainy day we have. But April showers bring May flowers. And right now we are talking to my two special guests, Jeff Hattendorf and Macro Specht and Seth Marlowe at Wells Fargo. And our topic is a very serious one, accounting and the Internet of Things. Does this compute? Well, if you're a CFO, anybody on a corporate accounting team, you might be saying, IOT, Internet of Things, sensors, seriously, my job, you're going to help me? Well, when we come back after our quick one and only break, we're going to be starting the roundtable in earnest with Jeff Hattendorf, and he's going to give us a couple of lessons in this. Seth Marlowe at Wells Fargo will chime in, and then we'll pick some topics from Seth. But Jeff's going to start off with IOT will impact all facets of life, including accounting and the office of the CFO. So, To all our listeners around the world, don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. I promise we'll be right back. Kevin out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The pace of innovation is moving faster than ever, and the future of business will be defined by how quickly business leaders adapt to accelerated ongoing change. Insights from totally new sources of data, sensors that capture and share what is happening in your business environment, and the tools to understand it and act on it. These are shaping the definition of future success. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how business leaders can shape the future of change. Internet of Things with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP. 
Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Internet of Things with Game Changers. Indeed, here we are today speaking with Jeff Hattendorf at MacroSpect and Seth Marlowe, a newcomer to Game Changers at Wells Fargo. And a shout out again to our sponsor, Ira Burke. And now Jeff Hattendorf has agreed to start the roundtable, and let's start at the very beginning. Jeff uh, told me in his notes before the show, Internet of Things, IoT, will impact all facets of life, including accounting and the office of the CFO. IoT will provide near real-time visibility into transactions, controls, and exposures in processing systems. Jeff, I know there are three important impacts on audit. Why don't you tell us more, please? Well, you know, we talk about the nature of the finance and accounting department, and once upon a time on your show, we talked about this idea of continuous accounting. And in mm-hmm. continuous accounting, it's simply a matter of, of measuring financials and looking at the business every single day rather than at the end of each month. Internet of Things is going to have a similar impact as business begins to adopt it. And from an accounting standpoint, particularly the audit team, I'm not sure they're aware of this yet. You asked earlier if this is... If this is mm-hmm in process or a revelation, I think it's a revelation for them or it will be, that as keepers of the validity of data, they're going to have a tremendous amount of work to do to ensure that the data we're pulling in from all these Internet-connected devices is actually reliable, has not been hacked, has not been edited or altered in some way, because we're going to start to make decisions on these, these sets of data that come across from the Internet of Things. And more practically, we're probably going to have automated processes that take that data and make decisions for us, just like stock market trades are made based upon different prices and and, uh, algorithms. We've seen the market go way up and way down based upon the automated trading, and that sometimes gets frozen. That same issue will come into into the place of the business, and audit has to be on top of that from a data standpoint. So they're going to have to be able to assure management, as well as the operations team, that the data is reliable and that they're not being compromised in some way. The good side of so, this is that when you yep. – oh, sorry. No, no, I, I was just going to – go. go ahead, please, continue. So the good part of this is that, you know, with all that information, we get past the messy part and we get into the good part from the original quote. Mm-hmm. We're really going to have greater visibility into the day-to-day operations, not just the financials, but the actual inner workings of what the business does out in the field. The flip side of that is with better information, we have to make decisions more quickly, which means the audit team or the accounting team – or the finance team is going to have to have greater access to the office of the CEO and his or her direct reports because some decisions will have to be made much more quickly than they have been in the past. Okay, I'd love to get Mr. Seth Marlowe's point of view. And by the way, Seth, there's somebody named Sarah Marlowe who is tweeting and listening to the show. Any relation? Uh, could very well be. Uh, that's, uh, <laughs> that's a child of mine. Uh, I had a feeling. Uh, Currently working on her MBA. <laughs> well, she's listening to a good show, and, and uh, Daddy, yes, chi- child of Mr. Seth Marlowe, thank you for joining us. She's listening. Shout out to Sarah Marlowe. So, Seth, didn't mean to derail you there. Please comment on what Jeff said. Agree or disagree on all of these impacts on audit of the IoT? I, I totally agree with Jeff, and but but there, there, there's one other thing that I want to br- point out, which is I, I think there's, there's going to be some unintended consequences, as there typically are when there's technological change going on. And, and I think what, we, what, what I'm expecting to see is that the audit function itself is going to transform quite a bit, not only in terms of the kind of work they do, but how, how they do it 
and how they're organized. I, I foresee that audit will actually start to play much more of an operational day-to-day role as opposed to an after-the-fact review of processes uh, with the, the volume of data that's going to be coming through and the transaction volumes and the journal entries that are all being processed. Uh, I, I foresee that you're going to have almost a, uh, a near real-time uh, ability for audit to be auditing uh, in real time. And I think that's going to be a very change of mindset to those folks that are, are in the uh, audit function within corporate America. Do you think they're ready for it, Seth? This is no. going to be a shock. <laughs> Definitely not. I think they like being separate and distinct. And you know, one of my pet peeves over the years on, when I was on the corporate side was you know, every year you get a new set of auditors and they would come in and you'd pretty much have to teach, teach them your aspect of the business because they, they had the, the audits, the general audit skills, but they didn't, you know, in my case, they didn't necessarily know treasury. And um, so, you know, the more they're embedded in it, the more they understand, and they won't be rolling off every year to go on to the next thing. So I, I, think, I think there's a lot of things that will change, and I think it will be eye-opening for them. Eye-opening is probably a mild-mannered way of saying, what? Okay, we'll leave it at that. Uh, Let's go back to Jeff. Any comments on what Seth added before I move on to something uh, equally as provocative from Seth's notes? Jeff? Well, I I think he's exactly right. And it's funny that he mentions auditors, that that they're not ready. And there's a running joke with almost every client I have that, you know, once a year, sometimes once a quarter, the school bus pulls up and a pile of auditors comes out. (laughs) <laughs> and they do when seem I was to in get younger and younger school. each year too. <laughs> yes, they seem younger every year. Um, when I was in school, everyone I was went to school with that was an accounting major or a master's in accounting major ended up going into audit first, or the vast majority of them did. And that was because audit was driven by accounting. And I think Seth's description of that job is going to change. Is actually going to change what students have to learn at the university level. It's not just about how the numbers get tallied. You have to understand what the data is, where it's coming from, how it gets to you. It's, it's a more hybrid role of, of technology meets business and being able to translate that data into business so that business can use it, but understanding what the IT guys and gals are doing in the back end to gather that data for them. It, it's, it's going to be a much more hybrid role, and it's going to change that skill set, and uh, hopefully when the school bus pu- pulls up, they'll need less coaching from guys like Seth when they show up on site. <laughs> yep. And, you know, here in New York, this, when a school bus stops, uh, Seth may be aware of this. I don't know what they do in Texas, Jeff. When a school bus stops on a, a residential street or anywhere, a little sign automatically goes out from the side on, on a little uh, arm, if you will, and it says stop. And it's a punishable offense. It's a finable offense if you don't stop and allow the people to exit or enter the school bus until the driver thinks it's safe and then the sign folds back against the bus and the bus will eventually leave wherever it's parked or stopped. So I'm thinking, <laughs> how long will that bus be sitting there when they let out the bus loads of, of, <laughs> of auditors? I, I, it takes me back. I know this is a serious topic, but it takes me back to, I, I wish you all could have seen the Farkas uh, cartoon that I picked for the opening. And, and just uh, before I go to your topic, Seth, I just want to get the reaction of the two of you of to the cartoon I, I quoted. You gave away 60 billion toys and didn't get one receipt. So, Jeff, <laughs> Would that have made you smile? Absolutely. But Santa always and, makes me smile. And I just like to get presents. 
You didn't say auditors always make you smile. Seth Marlowe, did you think that was a funny joke, Santa and the uh, receipt? A- absolutely. And, 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 of course, you, know, you have to wonder, you know, what was the dollar threshold on the receipts he needed? You know, is it anything over $1,000? Or, you know, for, for, for us at Wells Fargo, you know, we don't have to submit receipts if it's uh, under 75 which is a practice I wish more companies would do. I find, <laughs> just as a side, I find too many companies out there are focused on, on, on pennies and not looking at the big picture on things. So um, it's kind of kind of interesting there. Yep, penny wise, pound foolish, penny wise, dollar threshold foolish. We'll leave it at that. No no comment. So uh, Seth Marlow, I'm looking at your notes. You've got all kinds of interesting forward looking things. I'd like to share the the following comment you have, and let's talk about what automation is really doing for companies. Let's get down to the the guts of day to day. You say robotic process automation allows companies to automate manual accounting tasks like updating ERP spreadsheets, reports, and dashboards by taking away tedious process steps away from accounting, AP and AR staffs, these folks can actually spend time, here it comes, thinking and analyzing instead of keying and doing other non-value-added tasks. A little judgment call in there. Why don't you tell us, uh, Seth, talk to us. Is this already happening? Tell us more. Oh, it, it's it's definitely happening, and it, it, there there are a number of forward-thinking companies, um, many of whom have gone down the path of consolidating their their back offices in accounting, so their accounts receivable, accounts payable functions, and uh, created a shared services center. But even with that, they they've gotten the economies of scale, they've reduced headcount, but they still find themselves dealing with. Uh, too many manual processes, systems that don't talk to each other, and to uh, to get over the, some of those gaps, what they're starting to leverage are these uh, software tools that are being referred to as robotic uh, process automation uh, software tools, and they're actually building what I would best describe as super macros or macros or scripts on steroids, and they have the ability to tap into the ERP system, tap into the use of Excel spreadsheets and, and maybe various other systems for forecasting and inventory and billing. And it allows a lot of these tasks of looking things up and translating things from one system to another that typically people are doing and getting it out of the people's jobs and actually having these um, uh, they're actually referring to them as bots, believe it or not, um, mm-hmm. you know, to, to replace the, the manual effort that's being done. So um, I've actually recently had some discussions with a, a company that's in the pharmaceutical and medical device business, and, and they're doing this in, in their North American Shared Services Center. And while it hasn't made a significant dent in terms of, uh, uh, of uh, FTE reduction, what it, what it has accomplished, it's gotten people doing more important tasks and things that they're more engaged on. And uh, interesting side story, I've got to share this. So when mm-hmm. they first started naming these scripts, these, these are, are ro- robotic process scripts, they actually gave them names. And out of the gate, they you know, called one of them Mary, and Mary was doing some kind of an account reconciliation. And suddenly there was this psychological impact of, you know, Pat and Jerry were saying, wait a second, you know, Mary, the bot, took my job away. And so, you know, there's there's a whole other aspect to all this automation that is that there can be some impacts. So they they actually went back and they've decided no more. These these bots are going to have names that are processes and not people so that there's no fear of that. But 
I think you combine some of these software capabilities with IoT, and, and again, you, you get a, a really game-changing environment in the uh, back office of, uh, of finance and accounting groups. Thank you very much, Seth. Very interesting perspective. You and Mary, uh, welcoming Mary. Yes, that would be a little scary. That's like going to the fish store and picking out a lobster for your family's dinner and asking the kids to name the lobster you pick. There's there's Oscar. Well, we're going to come home and throw Oscar in a pot of boiling water. No, we're not going to no. eat that. We love Oscar. Yeah, we, we don't want to do that. Jeff Hattendorf, love to get your thoughts on robotics and IoT and getting rid of what? The manual part of accounting? Seriously, is that possible in our lifetime? Talk to me, Jeff. Well, while I truly believe that we're, we're nearing the age that the promise of systems letting us do more analytics and less copying and pasting and link of, linking of data sets is close, and I'm glad to hear that there's companies adopting tools like Mary. <laughs> Most companies seem to be penny-wise and pound-foolish in this regard because the short-term cost, it's much easier to hire five more analysts and throw them at the problem with spreadsheets or, or access databases than it is yeah. to put in a system. And these early adopters, the, the more quickly they start to show returns and give us some evidence of the, the feedback, we'll go from that, that early phase and into the messy phase, but at least we'll be making progress and, and starting to put in place tools that really begin to change how we operate day to day. Uh, I'm hopeful that there are more companies using things like Mary, but the practical experience, even, even in the, just the, the world of financial planning or accounting, is that there's a tendency to lean on people because it's a less expensive, more practical answer in a lot of cases. Yeah. And, uh, Seth, I hate to tell you, but the, the idea of Mary just really is sticking with us. It, we just we can't name her like uh, process P23-97. Uh, and we just, she's just going to have to be Mary. I hope that's not too upsetting for you, Seth. Okay? Well, it, it, it's okay with me, but uh, I, I know uh, <laughs> one, of, one of the customers of mine that I, I've talked with, it, it did create a, quite a bit of a, of a stir within their organization. So it, uh, you know, I, I think there, again, when you talk about unintended consequences, it's um, when, when you've got software acting, as, uh, or, acting or, or doing you know, human tasks, it's... Um, it has, um, you know, the impact uh, psychologically of what's going on here. Really? You're doing okay. this to me? <laughs> yep, absolutely. And I'm going to circle back. Uh, Seth, thanks for the great topic. I'm going to circle back. We have plenty of time here. Let's pick up another topic. There's a, I see a sentence here, Jeff Hattendorf, in your notes, something that is uh, very interesting. Um, two things. Number one, I'm just going to make a statement. I'm tweeting it, and we don't have to talk about that. I think the implication is clear. The sentence is, accountants and financial planning professionals must become tech savvy. That's what we're trying to say here today. But I want to go to to this one here. You say, in organizations with the resources to leverage IoT, that's Internet of Things data, accounting and finance professionals must find ways to leverage this data to improve the bottom line. So it's not just enough to say, yeah, we have it, yeah, we're looking at it, we're thinking about it. So I'd like you to give us a couple of examples for accountants and for finance professionals. I know you have a list here. So, Jeff, why don't you share your insights, please? So, you know, this is one of those topics where it falls in this bucket of big data, and and big Mm data is only going to get bigger. And we're going to have to have more and more tools to help us understand that. But from a practical standpoint, if you're in the role of accounting or finance or, or any organization, you want to begin to look at this as where can I begin to improve my operations? Well, 
from a financial standpoint, the biggest investment most organizations have is either people or plant property and equipment. And it's very easy to start to put these kinds of devices on plant property and equipment. The idea behind that is you can use the information from that, large sets of data, and even with, without predictive analytics, which I think makes it a better overall solution, you can begin to predict when machines are going to have downtime. You can do preemptive maintenance. And I have one person I've worked with before that he has a client that has saved several million dollars in, in downtime and, and maintenance fees simply by using the Internet of Things on their big machines out in their, in their, in their mining operations. So from that standpoint, the accounting team can, can apply this to other industries the same way where the Internet of Things starts to give us information that we can act on it and more effectively manage the business. From a financial planning process, everything that we do in financial planning is, is done to the level that people can understand it. If you start to get too detailed, you can't get people to put data in the system. The more detailed you get, the more inaccurate you become. But what we can do with this Internet of Things data is take data from the field, from where we're actually meeting with customers. We're actually doing the transactions that, that actually drive the business, not just counting things up and, and putting things in the right buckets from an accounting standpoint. We can take that data and we can use statistics and begin to predict where the world is going to go as far as we are from a business standpoint and then measure the financial impact on top of that. We've all seen movies where the computers take over, and I actually read a quote this morning from the director of AI from Facebook who said that uh, not to worry about AI because society prevents evil from having infinite power, and, and I got, got a chuckle out of that. Every single movie we see where AI gets to power, society doesn't prevent that, and, and there's, a, there's a tendency to want to stay away from technology, but I think in the case of financial planning, relying upon that data to give you the first cut of your financial plan on a predictive basis, and then letting the humans take a look at it at levels that we can actually understand and, and think through and put, put some experience to it, that's where the value is from a financial planning standpoint. Thank you very much. And I'd like to ask Seth Barlow for your comments. What do you think? Agree or disagree? I, I, I do agree, and I, I, I know, Bonnie, you like us to disagree, but so far, <laughs> not, not happening. Um, okay. But, <laughs> but you know, I, I want to share an interesting anecdote. So um, back before my uh, joining Wells Fargo, I was on the, the corporate side. It was in, in Treasury at General Electric. And uh, one, of, one of the larger industrial businesses they've had for many, many years uh, that has made it through all the reorganizations they've had is their aircraft engines business. And so they, they've been, um, over the last number of years, uh, building in all of the, these monitor, monitoring and, and, and sensor-based activities off of the engines. And, you know, some of the data that's been able to come out of that has resulted in, in uh, GE being able to give guidance to various airlines to say, you know, if you fly a plane, you know, this particular model using this particular GE engine at this slightly lower speed, you'll be able to get, you know, X percentage of better uh, fuel usage and therefore be able to reduce your costs. And so there, there, is, there is huge tangible benefit from all this information that can be gathered from, uh, the, uh, from the IoT and, uh, you know, as that does affect the bottom line, it's something that ultimately ends up in somebody's spreadsheet or, or, or accounting system over on the, you know, accounting side. 
Yep, practical applications. That, that's I think that's really helpful to our audience to understand how this really works. You know, we don't want to talk at such a high level that they say, "Yeah, I don't know, I'm not sure." And, and that's what I appreciate about you and Jeff getting down into the the detail level of of the the bottom line and the everyday. Thank you for that. And Jeff, anything you want to add? Because I'm going to pick up some notes here from some more practical notes in terms of applicability from Seth. Jeff, any comments? Well, just one more thing, and in the school bus yeah. conversation. Uh, reminded yeah. me of this. I have a friend that, that actually sells in the, the systems that do red light camera monitoring and, and speed monitoring in an automated fashion, and that's part of the Internet of Things because all that information is actually transmitted wirelessly to whatever corporate office that sends those tickets out, and that's big here in Texas, and I know in Arizona and, and other parts of the country I've visited. As you think about the school bus, because people don't like Big Brother watching us, no one gets upset when a school bus writes a ticket. So as you sit by that school bus in New York and the, the stop sign comes out, mm-hmm. you might want to be careful because that's the next area where those cameras are going to be installed. So as you go flying past the school bus when you shouldn't be, it's going to grab your okay. picture. It's going to send it to the city who's then going to send you a ticket and expect you to pay 75 or $150 fine because you're putting people in danger. There you go. You know, we do have what's called, I, I call them fondly or not, God cameras at certain intersections. I think somebody uh, purposely tampered with them so he could come to the attention of law enforcement a couple of years ago here on Long Island and tried to get the legislature, at least in Nassau County, to remove them. But I see new ones popping up, and it's where if you go too late through a yellow light, through the caution light, and you go into the intersection once it's turned, the light is turned red, it will snap your license plate and you will get a letter in the mail with a, a ticket and a fine. So, yeah, we live with that too. So, uh, Seth Marlowe, I want to pick up a couple of more practical approaches here to why this all matters and how IoT and robotics and automation is going to come back to impact accounting. So, Seth, with your permission, I'm going to read one section from your notes, and then I have you sure. expand it. Okay. You say, cashless tolling for highways, bridges, and tunnels, and I'm going to add UG to that, Ugh. improves <laughs> cash flow to municipalities and reduces the friction of dealing with cash at 55 miles an hour. And those of us who live in New York know what it's like at the at the toll bridges on the Whitestone Bridge especially or the, uh, the the Throgs Neck Bridge and we keep bemoaning people who don't have the easy pass. Why are they sitting? Because they take up so many lanes waiting to get into the cash lanes. They block the people with the easy pass and we can't do our automated thing. So Seth adds, at lower speeds, cashless drive through restaurants and other businesses are streamlining the process. Your license plate becomes your digital wallet. Now let me wrap this all up. You say there will be fewer issues with cash theft and all the costs associated with cash handling and accounting can be significantly reduced. So let's wrap this into a nice red bow here. Accounting is a key word here. Cashless is a key word here. I think efficiency reduces the friction, reduces theft, probably handling, streamlining. A lot of good stuff in here. Seth, why don't you tell us a little bit about why this matters to accounting professionals? Well, I, I think certainly the, anything that revolves around the actual use of cash and coin, it's literally and figuratively a dirty business. And who's there to be able to provide change and coin and currency to, let's say, the tolling authorities? It's the banks and usually armored courier services. And there's this continuous flow of replenishment of picking up cash and then redeploying cash in nice little bundles that are, you know, wrapped with bands around them. And, um, you know, there's always the concern that whether it's toll collectors or anybody else that manages to get into a toll booth that the cash is going to uh, disappear. 
And whether it's tolls or whether it's uh, food service delivery people within a, uh, a, a, a baseball stadium, as I was in City Field last night at uh, the Mets game, which they unfortunately mm-hmm. lost, um, you know, I, it was great being in seats where someone came to me and could take an order and take a credit card. Didn't have to, you know, go into my wallet, take out cash. Um, but the, the bigger thing here is the, the efficiencies. Um, not only, you know, on the tolling side, you get the, the flow of traffic can come back. It is a pleasure now to be able to drive up in uh, what between Westchester and Rockland counties in, in the New York area with the uh, building of the new Tappan Zee Bridge. While it's not complete yet, they've gone to cashless tolling. So, you know, you drive through, there's no, no more delays, there's no more fog, there's no more other issues related to it. And I, I, I assure you that the, uh, the tolling authorities are happier because they're not dealing with the cash. And they don't have the expense of, of getting the coin and the currency and having to account for it and the exceptions and the armored couriers and so on. So it's really a, it, it's a major simplification. Um, getting around the, or aside from the, the tolling piece, uh, it's very interesting. I'm starting to see in various places, I was in Washington, D.C. Uh, two weeks ago, and I saw uh, restaurants that actually mm-hmm. had signs in their front window that said, we are a cashless enterprise. And so the only way they will accept payment for the food that you buy from them is by you know, either plastic or Apple Pay or mm-hmm. Android Pay. They are eliminating the use of it. They don't want the fraud. They don't want the, the issues from uh, someone being robbed going to do a cash de- uh, deposit, and they certainly don't want to deal with all the accounting that goes along with it. So it just, it's a streamlining of the entire process from literally from soup to nuts. Thank you. Very interesting. We're talking at this from, from several vantage points, if I'm, I'm not uh, wrong here on this, Seth and Jeff. Yep. From the consumer standpoint, from the professional standpoint, from the CFO standpoint, corporate down to consumer and, and everything around in our daily lives. I like that. I like the broad brush approach. Jeff, anything you want to add to what Seth has said? Because we are technically entering our crystal ball predictions lightning round right now. So, Jeff, any, any other examples you'd like to add quickly? Just that I think going cashless is brilliant. It, it, is, it is a tremendous drain on organizations to have to count money, lock it up, put it into an armored car, and move it physically and, and pay for all of that. It, 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 it reduces the return on the investment. And, and I'll just add a quick sidebar to this. Uh, those of us who use a credit card with a chip in it and companies like grocery stores that allow you to insert the card into the chip end of the credit card machine when you pay, I'm, I'm always intrigued. Everybody has a different threshold of when you have to sign the receipt, digitally sign with that wand on the little screen. And I'm always saying, do I have to sign? And they say, no, anything under $50, you don't have to sign, ma'am. And then I'll go to another place. They'll say, anything over 25 you don't have to sign ma'am and and it's interesting because the threshold seems different so i think they have they have gone a giant leap toward cashless and not even having to sign because it's me with my credit card so any quick comments on that should should there be one standard threshold of having to sign or am i making too many too many uh too much out of this whole thing seth comments about that I think you're right on the mark. Frankly, I, I think you should never have to sign, and I, 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 I'm, I have concerns with the way we've deployed the use of the chip cards. 
Uh, the way it's done throughout Europe and most of the world is there are no signatures anymore. It's all based on a PIN. And the, with the chip and PIN security, the, the opportunity for there to be a fraudulent transaction uh, comes down like 98%. It's just not happening. So all the fraud that's happening today is because of signatures on cards that don't belong to the person that's using it. And, and what we refer to in the industry as card not present. So you use a card to buy something on the Internet. Um, I think the signature piece with cards should be completely eliminated the sooner the better. Thank you very much. Jeff, any quick comments on that? Sorry for the sidebar, but I thought it was interesting. <laughs> no, he was, Seth spoke about exactly what I was going to go to. The, the idea of the pen removes almost every chance that someone's going to steal your information and use it some way between that and the chip. And I'm frustrated that here in, in what is supposed to be one of the leading economies in the world, we're still being asked to sign things, whatever the, the amount is. Just let me punch Thank in my you. pen and be done with it. Thank you. Thank you. You have validated me, both of you. And now we have five minutes left till the end of the show. Plenty of time because there were just two of you, and I really enjoyed speaking with both of you. Uh, very bright, obviously, savvy thought leaders, and thank you for your time. Jeff Hattendorf at Macrospect. I'm going to give you a full 90 seconds. Use it well. What do you see when you look in the crystal ball in terms of our topic today? Accounting, the Internet of Things. We have veered off into robotics. We've talked a little bit about the office of the CFO. Everything down to credit card with chips and digital pin signatures and cashless toll bridges and school buses with red red stop signs. So let's talk. Let's look around the year 2020, if you don't mind, Jeff, and what do you see will be different about this topic? Mr. Hattendorf, go. Well, I think by the time we get to 2020 and even beyond, we're going to start to see, and between now and then, it, it'll become even, I think, more prevalent, the ubiquitous nature of the Internet of Things. I'm not convinced yet that, that organizations are going to know how to manage all of this information. And that there was going to be a lot of messiness, going back to that original quote, as, as we as people in the consumer space, as we as professionals in the corporate space, as municipalities, governments, all try to figure out how to manage and wade through all of this data and to really control it. When we talked about going to a cashless society or going to restaurants that have no cash to, to limit the crime, that limits the physical crime but it's going to change the role of law enforcement at a practical level because they're not looking at, at thefts of, of physical cash. Now they're going to have to be t- chasing down cybercrime because people want to hack into things and steal money that way. The world okay. has yep, got go to ahead. get to a point time. that the world's got to get to a point that, that we can trust and rely upon the data, that we know that it's secure, and then there's going to be this ethical question. Our health insurance company and our firm actually provides step counters for everybody in the company, and it measures your steps, and the more steps you get and, and the more active you are throughout the day, you actually get refunds against your uh, deductible. Well, I had an employee ask me, wait, is this the first step for them actually changing my rate based upon my not being too active? And I hadn't thought about it that way because I'm an active person, but it, there's an ethical question that's going to hit us at some point in the near future. There you go. Ethical. That, that's a hot topic today is the ethics of our digital economy, not even the sharing economy, just digitalization of everything. Seth Marlowe, I saved a big 90 seconds for you. What do you predict, Seth? Uh, I, I think IoT is going to be something that is much more prevalent in all of our daily lives. And I think the companies that are going to be successful uh, over the, 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 you know, the, the, the ensuing five to ten years are going to be the ones that are the leaders and are adopting it. And as I think we typically see, the, the laggards out there are going to find that it's harder and harder to compete. 
and it's going to become harder and harder to catch up once they fall behind. So um, my, my message to uh, the CFOs and treasurers is, you know, listen to what's out there and does, don't, don't take it as, as science fiction, but rather as science fact, and it's coming right at you. So the thought is to be able to figure out how to best leverage it. Um, I, I very much agree with, with Jeff when it comes to the security and the trust issue. I think that's one of the big tenants around uh, blockchain, which I realize is a whole different conversation and different show. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, it's real critical that uh, with all the sensors that are out there, that it can, it, it can allow us to live in a safe and sound environment. You know, certainly as we hear about the crashing of uh, self-driving automobiles, you, know, you have to wonder what happens when you've got the converge of, you know, a uh, high scale of um, self-driving with dri- drivered cars at the same time and what happens there. So I-, I think we're in for some interesting shocks, and I've used the term a few times uh, this morning, unintended consequences, and it'll be interesting to see what some of those turn out to be. Yes, thank you for your insights. By the way, we just did two weeks, a, a mini-series on Coffee Break with Game Changers on digital money makeover around the world with blockchain and Bitcoin, focusing on blockchain, trustworthiness, security, hot topic. We're doing another show on utilities and blockchain soon. We did one on blockchain and marketing a few weeks ago. So you may find an invitation for me to come back and talk about blockchain, both of you. Seth Marlowe, such a pleasure to meet you, and Jeff Hattendorf, always happy to have you on. And just a heads up, at 2 p.m. Eastern, I'll be back here today live on the Business Channel with our series Think Big, Work Small with Game Changers, focusing on SMEs at small to mid-sized businesses, startups, and everything on up to big behemoths. The conversation will be about SME social selling 101 conversations with your customers give me space there we go or give me room room lots of room anyway i want to thank our two panelists shout out to ira burke great panel thank you ira we miss you kevin at world talk radio thanks for getting us on the air and keeping us there i'm bonnie d graham and for the time being i'm just going to give you my call to action fasten your seatbelt. the roads are wet be careful fasten your seatbelt. what are you waiting for whatever the weather whatever the vehicle go out and be a game changer today talk to you in a couple of hours bye bye Thanks again for tuning in to Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again on Thursdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 